We live in a hard day, a hard time to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you are actually endeavoring uh, to stand for Jesus, to exist uh, for the glory of Jesus and to spread the gospel of Jesus, this is an extremely hard time to exist. Uh, Public opinion today is set against you. Uh, The culture today is opposed to you. Uh, You are portrayed today as ignorant as outdated, as not smart, Uh, you are painted as unscientific, as unschooled and foolish, and worse than that, you are now labeled as arrogant, as hateful, narrow-minded, and most terrible, today you are called unloving. Because you follow Jesus Christ, you are intolerant, you are unaccepting, and you're demeaning to others. People say that. You're demeaning to others. And I'll tell you, it is getting worse. It is escalating in the days that we're living in. It is a hard time to actually seek to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And yet, I will tell you, I believe there's been no better time as there ever been, ever existed, to live for the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Understand tonight, very, very shortly, very shortly, Jesus will come. And there'll be the voice of an archangel, there'll be the blast of a trumpet, and Jesus is going to come for the church, and we will on that day have the honored opportunity to be found standing in the master's fields, to be laboring in the master's field. Uh, We're going to have the opportunity to be standing on the back's of his faithful followers from years past and be laboring for the master when he comes. And when he comes, we're going to actually have the opportunity to drop our seed sacks, to drop our sickles that are for reaping, and to go home. No previous generation has ever had that opportunity. The song says that when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. We have the opportunity to be the generation working in the master's field when he comes. Today our message is entitled, A Workman Prepared. A Workman Prepared. Tonight we're in John chapter 13, moving right along, verses 12 through 20. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 20. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 12, a workman prepared. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for this day. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that you've prepared our hearts, that we are preparing our hearts to hear from you on this night. And I pray that's exactly what would happen, Lord. I, I pray that you would speak and it would be your voice, not a church, not a preacher, but it would be your voice. And I pray that we would be grown in the hearing of our master's verse voice. I pray that we would be instructed, that we would be encouraged that we would know how loved we are as we hear your voice. Lord, I, I pray for some that do not know you. I pray for some that will be listening tonight to this message. I pray that in the hearing of good news, in the, in, the, in the grace of a risen Savior, that tonight might be the night of their salvation. Lord, we come and we just praise you, we worship you, we thank you, we submit this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In our verses, Jesus is stepping ever closely or ever closer to the cross of Calvary. Every minute, every action, every word is moving closer still toward the cross of our redemption. In our verses, we're going to see, in fact, we're going to continue to see how Jesus carefully uses this precious time, this, this swiftly passing time for the important task of preparing his disciples for the job that's ahead. Now, that's something worth noting here. His time is fleeting. His time is running out. He uses his precious time to prepare his disciples. Now, I want you to be sure. I, I think we tend to overlook the vital mission of his disciples then and now. You see, it is the work of committed disciples in which the word is upheld. It is in the work of committed disciples that the word is proclaimed. It is in the work of committed disciples that the hope of Jesus goes out. Our salvation is secured and is secure in Jesus. Our salvation is finished in the work of Jesus, but that gospel is found and is received in its hearing in the effort of faithful disciples. Sometimes I think we lose sight of how big that is. If somebody's going to hear, they're going to hear in the work of faithful disciples. Well, Jesus uses this valuable fleeting time to prepare them and to prepare us tonight as well. Let's go to our verses beginning tonight in verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? In verse 12, Jesus has washed their feet. This degrading, humiliating task we have learned was reserved for the lowest person in the building, uh, usually the lowest ranking slave, not just any slave, but the lowest ranking slave. Well, Jesus has finished that task. Now, I can't imagine their response to that uh, as he moves person to person, actually washing their feet, submitting himself to that task. I can't imagine their response. Well, now he puts his outer clothes back on, and he sits 
back down at the table and he reclines and he asks them, do you know what I have done to you? Do you know what I have done to you? Now, they could be thinking many things. They could be thinking that he shamed them, that he embarrassed them. Maybe they should have been embarrassed, but they could have been saying, well, you've embarrassed us. Or they could be thinking, well, he put them in their place. That's, that's what this was about, that he put them somehow in their place. Or they could be thinking that literally he washed their feet. That's what he had just literally done. But the truth is, Jesus says, do you know what I have done to you? Jesus is preparing them. That's what this event is about. That's what this episode is about. Do not miss this. That's what Jesus was trying to get them to see. Jesus is preparing them. Be sure tonight, an unprepared disciple is an ineffective disciple. An unprepared disciple is an inefficient disciple. Well, for the giant task that is at hand, Jesus is preparing them. That is why he did what he just did, to prepare them for their job ahead. Listen to me tonight. Today, in our day, an unprepared disciple is an ineffective disciple. Today, in our day, an unprepared disciple is an inefficient disciple. God desires for you and for me to serve his cause. Listen, he is preparing us. He is shaping us. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. He is shaping you for his service. In the church today, we have kind of a, a distorted teaching. We promote the idea that, well, we got saved, and so we can somehow run off. Well, we got saved. That's settled. We've taken care of that. And so somehow we can drift off. We make it to church when we can. We study the Bible when we can. God is speaking, but we'll come and hear it when we can. It's really no big deal. The main event has occurred. We're saved. And so we'll just do the best we can after that. No, listen to me tonight. God is preparing us. God is preparing you for his service. I looked this up today. Did you know boot camp for the Marine Corps is 13 weeks? If you go right now, it's 13 weeks boot camp for the Marine Corps. I wonder what would happen if you said, yeah, I'm going to miss about 11 of that. You know what, I've joined, that's the main thing. I got a patch, woo, I'm a Marine. But you know what, 13 weeks, that's a lot of weeks. I'm going to miss about 11 of that. Or what if the wild event occurred and you got drafted by the Rangers? That used to be a good thing. And you got out your contract and there's a mini camp and there's spring training and there's 158 games or 173 games and they have all these games and then there's the playoffs after that and they got your contract out and you said, yeah, I'm going to miss about most of that. You know what? I like to show up into September. October's when I like to play. I'm going to miss most of that. Friend, listen to me tonight. God has something for you to do 
He has gifted you, listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he has gifted you for service through his church and he is preparing you, but you must participate in your preparation. Do you hear that? God has something for you to do. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what stage of life you are, but you must participate in your preparation. He says, do you know what I have done? He wants them to be sure. He wants them to know. He asked them, do you know what's going on here? Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. A teacher was highly respected in this day. They were highly valued. This was how they passed on their knowledge. This was how they passed on their wisdom. And it was a lofty thing. It was a respected thing to be a teacher. The word Lord actually means master, the master. It is the one in control. It is a title of reverence and respect. Well, Jesus says, you call me teacher and you call me Lord and you're not wrong in doing so. I am those things. Understand tonight, humility is not downplaying who you are. In fact, that's false humility. That's not true humility. Uh, humility is not making little of who you are. Jesus is the teacher. Jesus is, yes, the Lord. He's actually a lot more than that. He is God. He is creator. He is savior. But he doesn't downplay that. He doesn't belittle that. He says, yes, I am those things. Verse 14. If I then... The Lord and the teacher washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus says in verse 14, if I am those things, and he says, yes, I am those things, and I washed your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's what he tells me. If I am those things, do you know who I am? And if I washed your feet, then you ought to also wash one another's feet. He shows them if the teacher doesn't act, then it's not beneath the student. That may be something that happens in our day, but, but if a teacher doesn't act, then it's not beneath the student. He says if the master doesn't act, it's not for sure an act that is beneath the slave. Verse 15, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now, this is a big understanding here in verse 15. He said, for what I did, what I was doing, I gave to you as an example. I gave you an example. Now, the Greek word, the original language, the Greek word for example, translates a pattern. It literally translates a model to copy. I have given you, see what I was doing? I've given you a model to copy. I've given you a pattern to copy. Now, see this. Foot washing, washing their feet was what he did, but it's not about foot washing. 
It is the model that he gives them. It is the pattern that he gives them that matters. Now, let me tell you something. There are people, you may, you may know some, you may be one. There are people that have foot washing services. Now, there's actually a denomination called, you may have heard of them, foot washing Baptists. You ever heard of a foot washing Baptist? Now, they actually believe that's the third ordinance of the church. Now, there's the Lord's Supper, there's baptism, and there's foot washing. They read that verse and say, you ought to be a foot washer. There are foot washing Baptists. Now, there are some other folks, and they have services, and as part of their service, they'll have a foot washing event. There are marriage retreats when they'll have a foot washing event, or there's staff retreats when they'll have a foot washing event. They have a time of foot washing. Well, be sure tonight... It is not instituting an act. It's not about a memorial act of foot washing. No, he is saying, here is your example. Here is your pattern. And that pattern is to serve in honest humility and in true love. Do you see that? That's what he showed them. That's what he did. It was staggering to them, but he says, my pattern that you're to follow, the model that you're to follow is to serve in honest humility and true love. That is our model. That is our pattern. The bottom line is this, as disciples, we should do as Jesus did. Here's the question. Will you make yourself the least of all? Or are there still some folks that you think you're better than them? That's the question. Are you, will you make yourself in the pattern of Jesus least of all? Or are there still some folks that you look down on that you say, well, I might help them, but not that group? Is love, and I'm talking about true love, your motivation? Or is there still some other motivation? Well, somebody might see me. Well, it's my duty for the church. It's my pride or my reputation. Is true love your motivation or is it something else? Jesus is our pattern. Jesus is our model. Verse 15 again, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did. Verse 16, truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Starts off again. We've seen this several times. Truly, truly. It means this is the truth. It means take notice of this. This is the truth. And so he says, be sure and see this. This is the truth. A slave is not greater than the master, nor is the one sent greater than the one who sins. Now, here's what I get out of this. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything he did not do. Do you know there's bosses like that? There's people like that? Do you know Jesus doesn't ask us to do something he did not do, and we are no way better than him, no way and yet he did all those things. And so in his service, we can't say, well, he doesn't understand this. He doesn't understand how hard it is. He doesn't understand what this feels like. 
We can't come along and in his service say, he can't relate to this. He doesn't know about this. He doesn't know how humiliating this is. Truly, I truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. That just makes it plain. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Jesus says, if you know these things, now they now did know them, and so do we now as well. He says, if you know these things and you do them, you are blessed. Blessed is the Greek word that means well to do. Now we might twist that around and not understand it. It means doing well. Or it means happy. You're happy. You're you're doing well. We are blessed. We are doing well. We are happy if we know these things and we do them. Now, like all things, it requires obedience. It's not enough to just hear them. It's not enough to just learn them. We actually have to put feet to it and walk it out in obedience. Now, here's the promise. Get this tonight. Here's the promise. If we serve the gospel cause, if we follow Christ, serving his cause in humility and in love, we will be doing well. If we serve Christ and serve the cause of Christ and we do it in humility and we do it in true love, we will be blessed. That is the promise of Jesus. In fact, let me tell you tonight, honestly, the only way that we can serve Jesus is in humility. You think about that and you try to, you try to look at that. The only way you can actually serve Jesus is to put others first, is to hold up others as, as more important than yourself. It is to know their value to Jesus. The only way you can serve Jesus is in humility. The only way you can serve Jesus is is in love. That is the truth, in service at the cost of self. There's, listen to me, there's no other way to do it. There's no other way that it will work. It's too crazy. It's too messy. It's too costly. It's too hard. The only way to serve Christ is in the example of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, it doesn't belittle who he is, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. We serve in the example of Jesus. The only way you can serve Jesus is in humility and true love. Let me say this before we move off from here. If Jesus is actually preparing us today for his service, and that's what he's doing, listen, If Jesus is actually preparing us, preparing you, 
Isn't that what we need to hear? You see, we're so prideful. We're so prideful. We're taught, you know what, it's all about you, and you don't have to do that thing, and that's beneath you, and those folks over there, they're not as good as you. We're so prideful. We're so hard. That's what they deserve. That's what they get. We're so jaded. What would you expect? Isn't this what we needed to hear if we're actually going to serve Jesus? You have to do it in humility. You have to do it in love. Verse 18. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Now, verse 18 tells us he knows about Judas. We've seen that. He knows about Judas. He says, I do not speak of all of you here. And he quotes Psalm 41, verse 9. We know tonight Jesus chose his disciples. He says, I know the ones that I have chosen. And I know that one of the ones that I chose who even eats my bread, who is eating here, is against me. Understand, Judas was chosen by Jesus. Judas hears the message of Christ many times. Jesus sees the miracles of Christ many times, and yet he turns against Christ. He betrays Christ. Verse 19, from now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Now, verse 19 is an interesting verse. He tells the disciples in verse 19, following verse 18, I know about Judas. I'm not surprised about Judas. He will betray me. And now verse 19, he says, and I tell you before he does it, I tell you beforehand so that you will know I am he. Now, I want you to think about that tonight. Think about if he didn't do that. If he didn't tell them beforehand, they would think Jesus made a mistake. They would think Jesus, he chose him and he messed up. He must not know what he's doing. They would think Jesus made a wrong choice. And so they would lose confidence in Jesus. Be very sure of something this evening. If you're going to serve somebody all out, if you're going to serve with no reserves, if you're going to sacrifice at the cost of yourself, you have to be, you must be confident in the one you serve. And that's the truth. If you're going to serve all out, if you're going to throw caution to the wind and you're going to, you're going to say it's all in and you're going to follow somebody, you have to be confident in the one you follow. Well, Jesus says, I am he. Nothing has changed. I haven't made a mistake and you can be confident in me. That's what he says. I'm going to tell you beforehand so you won't think something's wrong. You can be confident in me. Let me tell you something tonight and let me just tell me something tonight. We can trust Jesus. Do you understand that? We can trust Jesus. And I don't know what situation's going on in your life. I don't know where you're at in your life. We can trust his plan. We can trust his purpose. We can trust his timing. I wouldn't have done it like this. We can trust his timing. We can trust his wisdom. Is this the best way? We can trust his wisdom. We can trust his method. 
We can trust Jesus. He's never been wrong. We can be confident and trust Jesus. I'm talking to me. Verse 19, Judas' betrayal doesn't change the mission. Now verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. I want you to listen to that again. Truly, truly, this is the truth. Listen, it's the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Verse 20 is a great verse of encouragement. He has told them the hard news. You're going to have to serve in humility. It's the only way you can do it. He's told them you're going to have to serve in true love. You're going to have to serve at the cost of yourself. He has told them the truth. His servants are no greater than he is. But now he tells them the great honor, the great privilege of serving his cause is that we represent him. I want you to think about that tonight. We are serving when we're serving Jesus. We are serving him. We are living, listen, we are living on his behalf. That's what the verse says. If they receive us, it is the same thing as receiving him. We are living on behalf of Jesus. We are agents of Jesus. We are ambassadors of Jesus. Listen, sinful, sorry people like us, redeemed by faith in Jesus Christ, we are little Christ. We are Christians, representatives of Jesus. Be sure tonight, there is no greater honor. There is no greater privilege. Oh, we think some things are big deals. There is no greater way to live than to live as a representative, to live as Jesus. Folks, we have that option. You have that option. You can, I can. We can live for ourselves, and we can live for the world. We can burn up a whole bunch of days, and we do it all the time. We can burn up a whole bunch of days chasing things that don't matter. And you know what? I want my kids to do this, and I want to be known for that, and I'd like to have a whole bunch of this, and we can live for ourselves, and we can live for the world, and we can even accomplish those things. He did it. He did it. He did it. You can do all of those things. Listen to me. Or you can live as Jesus. What could compare to that? Man, we ought to start telling our kids early, what could compare to that? You might play in a Super Bowl, it won't be anything compared to living for Jesus, living like Jesus. You can inherit the business, you can multiply the business, it won't be anything like living like Jesus, living for Jesus. What could compare to that? Living as Jesus, living for Jesus. If we're thinking straight, what else would we do? What else would we do if we're thinking straight? We can live as representatives. We can live for and as Jesus. Let's pray. 
Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful for your word tonight. Thankful for your encouragement tonight. Thankful for your guidance tonight that reminds us we have to serve in humility. We have to be least of all. We have to serve in true love, serving others at the cost of self. But that when we do, we look like you. When we do, we're an ambassador of you. And when we do, we're so close to your mission that when they receive us, they receive you. Lord, I pray that that would be our priority set. I pray that that would be the goal that burns in our hearts. I pray we teach our kids the same. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people in this day that are sold out, committed to the cause of Jesus Christ existing for your glory. And I pray the fruit of that is there'd be a movement. I pray the fruit of that is that the name of Christ would be known. I pray the fruit of that is that they would know there's a living God, a living Savior, and his name is Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful again for your truth, for your word tonight. We rejoice in it. Lord, we, we want to walk in it. We want to be obedient. We want to be blessed in us. Help us in that. Empower us for that. And Lord, I pray the fruit of that would be you would be known again, that, that folks would trust in you. They'd believe in you. With a settled faith in you, they'd be saved. Lord, again, we just come and, and commit this to you. We ask that you'd take it now, apply it, use it, multiply it. And I pray, Lord, that you've been pleased in it. I, I pray that you have been. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our time together, our, our our sermon tonight with a time of response, a time to respond to the truth of God's word. And all of that is about this. Listen very carefully. All of that. In fact, these next messages, almost all of them are to the training of the disciples. All of that is that the word of Christ would go out. Can you imagine that? A couple days before he goes to the cross, it is imperative that his people are trained that the good news of the grace of Jesus goes out. Listen, it hasn't changed. All of that is for this, that the world would know there's a Savior. There is hope in Jesus. There's the forgiveness of sin in Jesus. If you're listening tonight, if you're here tonight, and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is hope in Him. There's the forgiveness of your sin in Him. In fact, nowhere else but in Jesus. The Bible says if you'll trust Him, if you'll turn to Him, if you'll receive Him in faith, you shall be saved. Tonight, my call, and it's been the call all the way through these 50 nine nights now, is that you trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. He will save you tonight. If you've made that decision, but you've never fought in believer's baptism, I want to give you that opportunity as well to, to say, I want that testimony to stand. I want folks to know what I believe of Christ and who I am in Christ. You come as well tonight. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve his cause for his glory. Maybe tonight on this Monday night you want to come and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. No telling what all the things we're facing tonight, but I want to tell you what our God is, is gracious and kind. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small. If you want to come pray with me or pray at an altar, I'm going to ask that no one would stir about or head for an exit. Pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here as we stand and sing. You come on. I'll meet you here.